0: Hello and welcome back to another 3P Podcast episode, episode 7 of the third season. I'm your host, Josh Fraunowitz, and I'm once again joined with me by my co-hosts, Alex Castle,
1: Steven Bonazzo,
0: and we got a lot to talk about football. Uh, breaking news today, Carson Wentz was traded to the Colts, so we'll dive into that. Rumors swirling about where Deshaun Watson will go, and the Panthers making ridiculous offers. Where J.J. Where Watt will go, because he was just released by the Houston Texans last week, as well as Dak Prescott, if he should sign a long-term deal with the Cowboys. And then we'll jump into some basketball news. A lot of angry veterans not playing. We'll dive into that and what, what the future might be. And lastly, we saw a record deal in baseball yesterday yesterday. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. signing a 14-year deal, so we'll talk if he's worth it or not. But first, some football. I mentioned Carson Wentz was traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a second-round pick this year, as well as a third-round pick this year, my bad, and a second round next year, which could turn into a first round. So, boys, Stevie, you're probably jumping for joy right now because he's not heading to uh, Chicago. You don't have to worry about that mega deal that a mega contract that he has so besides being pumped just talk more about uh what Bears fans are feeling right now
1: well I could tell just reading a lot of tweets from Bears fans and even Bears like reporters a lot of them are happy that Ryan Pace didn't go through with the trade for Carson Wentz and he he realized you know what Wentz doesn't want to come here And to not offer, who knows what the Bears would have had to offer. Maybe they would have had to offer more than the Colts would have. So I think that many of them are happy that Wentz didn't get traded to the Bears. Listen, a lot of them realize that maybe Wentz could have went back to his old self, especially that 2017 season, and really lead the Bears to farther into the playoffs than just the wild card that Mitch Trubisky did. Um but who knows in that contract too, we don't have the Bears don't have a lot of cap space to make moves. So if you you know, obviously the quarterback position is our biggest need and it's the biggest need of every team. Some teams have it figured out, but a lot of teams like the Bears don't have a solid option to rely on. So listen, I think it was a great move for the Colts. He gets to go back with Frank Reich, his former um quarterbacks coach, and was he the offensive coordinator with the Eagles, right?
0: I believe so, yes.
1: Yeah. So he gets reunite with him. That's, and the last time he uh, was coached by Frank Reich, that's when he had that MVP-type season in 2017. So I think it's a great move for the Colts. But for the Bears' sake, they have more needs than the Colts. So we keep all of our picks as of now. Uh, you know, I'm sure the Bears, I mean, they have to make a move at quarterback soon. But for now, I think it was smart staying put, Ryan Pace not pulling the trigger and acquiring Carson Wentz.
0: Yeah, I think it was very smart, like you said. Um, you mentioned him reuniting with Frank Reich, and we might see flashes of his old self. Look, I, I could see it, but at the same time, like he was, gr- he was a great quarterback up until, yeah, through 2017, but then injuries is what caused him uh, issues. I don't really think it was issues with Doug Peterson. I think it was a lot of it on, on, on his injuries and not being able to stay on the field, because he was, he's was a tough guy. He always got hit and got knocked down. The Eagles' O-line was very consistent and hurt also. So that was definitely a big part of it.
1: And you just brought up a great point with the offensive line. Um, the Bears' offensive line, 2018, they played great. They were one of the, they were like top 10 in the league. And then the past couple of years, they have been very inconsistent. This year, they started off pretty good, but then they uh, midseason kind of got into a funk. And then towards the end of the season, when we had uh, Mustafa at center, Bars at guard, Cody Whitehair at guard, and then um, Ifedie at tackle, and then Charles Leno at tackle. It wasn't the best line, but they played more consistent. So if once came to the Bears, he would probably be pressured a lot, hit a lot again, like he was in Philly. But he goes to Indianapolis now, which has one of the best, the best one of the best lines, um, offensive lines in the NFL. You got Quentin Nelson. Um, I know Anthony Costanzo. He did retire, but. You still got, I think, a guy like Ryan Kelly. You know, they got guys, um, but even just having a guy like Quentin Nelson is just huge. So I think he'll be protected. Um, You know, I'm sure they're going to try to get more weapons, but I think Indianapolis was a perfect fit. And I think, you know, it worked out for both the Colts and the Bears. But, I'm, you know, I'm interested to see where the Bears go from here.
0: As am I, and I'm sure Castle could agree, too. We want to see the right quarterback fit in Chicago. We feel you, Steve. But Castle, now this officially ends the Carson Wentz era in Philly. It's now Jalen Hurts' time. So as a Giant fan, how are are you concerned, worried? What are you thinking about Jalen Hurts officially being handed, not unofficially, but I guess some could say officially, handed the keys to uh, the quarterback one position in Philly?
2: I think a mix, Josh. I think, you know, on one hand, assuming that Hurts gets the official starting job, this is going to be his first season really starting, really working with this offense. So you never really know. I mean, it could work out. It could not. But on the other hand, I do think he's talented. And I do think he could give our, our defense a hard time. But overall, it, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. You know, we saw what he could do with the talent that they have now, which I guess is more on the concerning side. But on the other hand, I loved our defense last season. And I definitely think that, that they could disrupt a young QB who, like I said, hasn't played a lot of games. So in in that aspect. But on the other hand, I'm kind of happy because now this is the second team in our division that is, hasn't officially – uh, figured out who their quarterback is going to be. Obviously, Hurts is there, but still anything can happen. Dallas, you know, not officially dealing with Dak yet. So I'm I'm kind of happy with it.
0: Hurts team is Washington.
2: Yeah, and Washington too. So we're the only team right now that has a solid QB. And I think in some ways it gives us an advantage because now we can continue to work with Daniel Jones through the offseason. We can now – be more focused on our moves at the wide receiver spot. So, you know, listen, I like Carson Wentz. As it was mentioned, the, the injury really messed him up, and it's really unfortunate because I think the guy's very talented. You know, he's a mobile quarterback. He's got a, he's got a good arm. It, it'll be interesting to see what he could do with the Colts. I really like uh, what Steve had pointed out about their offensive line. I think, you know, Jason Kelsey – was really banged up and he played through a lot of injuries, and I think that kind of hurt Wentz. I know someone else on their offensive line too was pretty banged. I think they had a couple of injuries on their line. So,
0: at some point, their entire starting O line from week one was injured.
2: Yeah, yep. exactly. And th- that can't be easy, you know, especially with a guy who's coming off of a big injury. So, it'll be interesting. Definitely happy that he didn't go to Chicago. I like the move for the Colts. Doesn't seem like they gave up too much. So all in all, I'm, I'm pretty happy with everything. And uh, it's just interesting, too, another thing. <clears throat> after this trade, now you have the first two picks in 2016 that have been traded. So it's just interesting to kind of look at that quarterback draft class.
0: And then that'll bring me to my next point the other quarterback who's not out of the league and arguably the best of all of them, Dallas uh, Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, who was taken in the third or fourth round, I believe. Um, And he was once again, franchise tag, like we mentioned last week, he doesn't need to sign it. He wants to work out a long-term deal. And the Cowboys have been hesitant in recent years Um. So, Alex, I'm going to ask you first, what should Dak do? Should he hold out? Should he sign the deal? Should he look to sign somewhere else? What should he do?
2: After the whole incident with the hype video, I said to myself, and I think I said it on the last episode, the guy should test free agency. I mean, you know, Dallas talks about how Dak's their guy and this and that, but they're not showing it. You know, if they really wanted to work something out with Dak Prescott, they would have already. For, forget forget the money for a minute. If this is a guy that's your offensive captain and and you're, you know, presenting him as your franchise, then you got to go for it. And the fact that they're, you know, dancing around the situation, taking all their time. Jerry Jones has worked with enough quarterbacks where he knows what needs to be done. And even Mike McCarthy, too. Played Coach Darren Rodgers all those seasons so if I'm Dak Prescott and Brett Favre too exactly so if I'm Dak Prescott I'm gambling in free agency because as you pointed out Josh there are three there are two other teams in the division that are not set with who their quarterback is I mean I would not like this to happen at all but who's to say that Philly doesn't take a chance on him and have Jalen Hurts learned under him Or who's to say that he won't go to Washington, which has been talked about a lot? So, you know, at at this point, that's what I think he should do. But I think in the end, Dallas is just going to give in because I don't know if they're going to want to gamble on another quarterback in, in free agency because they've got so much talent now. I mean, you know, Lamb, Cooper, they've got the targets. And I think Dak can work well with them. So if I'm Dallas, I work something out. If I'm Dak, I, I take a chance of free agency.
0: Yeah, before he got hurt with those receivers, and I know you had C.D. Lamb on fantasy, you were constantly starting him at your flex because of the points he was getting. Dak Prescott had that offense explosive. And before that, giant, the first Giant game where he got hurt, they were putting up points, well over 30 points a game, they were losing games because their defense was also putting giving up like 30 plus points, which they did the whole year. But that offense was so explosive and it was very obvious the difference between Dak Prescott versus the other backups that uh the Cowboys were starting. Steve, you have the similar thoughts or what?
1: I think Dak should test for agency. I I, I agree with Castle. Um, at least just to see your options you won't know your options and unless if you you know if you don't test it. So, test the market, see what's there. If the Cowboys say, "Well, if you're going to test the market, we're not going to offer you," then there are going to be plenty of teams that will still offer him money that he wants, like the Bears, Washington, um who knows, maybe Carolina, if you know, if they you don't know what team, like even um it is every like free agency is wild, you know? And JJ Watt even tweeted that the other day, free agency is wild. So you don't really know that until you get in it. So if Dak is smart, see your options, see the different teams that are offering the different contracts, then you know the numbers, how many years, the annual average that he'll be earning, and then make the decision from there. And if the Cowboys, you know, still offer him and that's the best offer, then you know what? Good, you stay, you know what. You know the coaches, you're already familiar with them. If a new team offers, then you know what? Sometimes a fresh start is a best start. I mean, look at guys like I mean, even Tom Brady, first year of Super Bowl, or Peyton Manning with the Broncos. He made two Super Bowls, only won one. But you know, it's just because you go to a new team doesn't mean your career is like worse. Like, no, it's sometimes you need that fresh start. And maybe for Dak's case, it could be the best thing for his career. And maybe he'll actually be able to win a ring because Dallas, like, like we said, their offense is so strong and they have so many weapons and they could put up 40 points a game but their defense is really concerning and to be honest I don't know if Mike McCarthy is a guy to lead Dallas um and I mean Dallas now they haven't won a Super Bowl in like over 20 years so it's tough but if I'm Dak feel out your options It, it really can't do any harm um and plus two you know, Castle was saying the hype video, that's kind of a slap in your face. Or even is extending Zeke. I know Zeke is one of the top backs in the league. But usually you want to extend your franchise quarterback before a running back because we know running backs are a lot more easy to replace than quarterbacks. I mean, look at all these teams that can't even find a – forget a franchise quarterback, just a solid, consistent quarterback. Like There's not too many, especially during this time right now, So, for them to like keep kind of playing games with Dak, like if I'm Dak, I, I, you know, he deserves the money and he should look elsewhere. And listen, if, like I said, if he resigns with the Cowboys because he thinks that's what's best for him, then all means. But he's got to, he's got to test the waters, test the market and see what he could get and, you know, really explore what's best for him.
0: So much for the Cowboys being America's team. As you mentioned, it's been like oh, well over 20 years since they've uh, won a Super Bowl, been relevant, kind of. Um, but you also you brought up another thing. Said uh, you quoted JJ Watt's tweet uh, saying free agency is wild, and that's obviously because he's now a free agent. So it was, a lot of people saw it coming he was going to be released by the Texans. As shocking as it might be to some, it. Kind of was it was expected. And now JJ Watt has a chance to go win a ring somewhere and join a already powerhouse team. Packers have been rumored, Steelers have been rumored. That'd be cool if he goes to Steelers, join his two other brothers. I've seen Bears be, a, be been rumored, but I don't I doubt that they could afford him. So Castle, we'll start with you. Uh, where do you think Mr. JJ Watt will go?
2: I do. I really do like if he goes to Pittsburgh to be with his two other brothers, I feel like it would just make their defense even more powerful, but I want to see JJ kind of not run his own defense, but but I kind of want to see him be the guy like he was for tech for the Texans. So I, I, I'm, you know, you're not going to like this one, Steve, but I'd like to see him go to green Bay, honestly. Him, him and Rodgers being on the same team, I think that would be really cool, obviously, different sides of the ball. But I don't know, bringing another big guy to the line for that Green Bay defensive line, you know, playing, playing on Lambeau and everything, I, I think it would be really cool to see Watt do that. But I definitely think Pittsburgh's going to try to make a big push. Another team that I saw, I don't know how well they'd be able to pursue him, but Cleveland, I think it'd be very interesting to see him go to Cleveland too. He'd be another big piece for that line. And I think he would definitely help Cleveland uh, make a big push. So it'll be interesting. I mean, you know, he, he's getting older. He's had his fair share of injuries, but come on. He's still J.J. Watt. He's a bowling ball when he's on that line. So any, any team that gets him will will definitely benefit from it.
0: The thought of J.J. Watt and Miles Garrett on the same line would give not anybody in that, uh, in that stadium nightmares, not just coaches, not just the O-line. I think reporters, fans, that's just a nightmare. Stevie, what do you think?
1: I think he's definitely going to go to a contender contender regardless because he's 31. Like Castle said, he's had his fair share of injuries. And to this point, you know, not that he's done being a leader because he's not, but he doesn't care about probably being the face of the franchise like he was with Houston for however many years. He – he wants to win. He wants to win a ring or try to win a ring before his body says you can't do this anymore. And he hangs up his cleats. So, you know, green Bay would be cool. He, he's from Wisconsin. He went to the university of Wisconsin. It'd be like a homecoming there. Obviously green Bay is a contender. They made it to the NFC championship back to back years. And maybe he could help them really push them over the edge, at least defensively. And You know, Pittsburgh, like Castle Saint, I mean, how cool would that be? All the Watts together on one team. I mean, that would be absurd. And you have TJ on one side, JJ on the other side. Good luck. And listen, Bud Dupree, I'm pretty sure is a free agent. So, you know, I don't know if Pittsburgh plans on franchise tagging him or if they lose out on him. JJ Watt could be kind of a good replacement to at least rush the passer. Um, And then, to be honest, I really like the Cleveland fit. I really do. I think that... Him and Miles Garrett can be an awesome tandem duo to watch. I mean, that would be a terrifying sight, the two of them together. I mean, you got Miles Garrett, power, speed. Then you got JJ Watt, power, and he's got some speed too. Maybe not as quick as he once was as he's gotten older and all the injuries. But I mean, I'm sure just like Dak, he's going to have quite a few options. Um, and I don't think he's looking for big money. I think he's looking for the right fit, the right coaching, the right scheme. And I think, to be honest, the three teams that we just listed are probably going to be the final three teams, unless if another team somehow blows them away um, with an offer or you know whatever they promise, whatever. But I think between Cleveland, Green Bay, and Pittsburgh will be the final three teams. It's either do you want to play with the brother's, do you want to play back in your home state or do you want to play with a young team that has a lot of talent that show that they're only a piece or two away from being legitimate contenders in Cleveland? So I think he'll, you know, who knows how long he'll take. I'm sure he'll really dive into everything and then take his time. But I wouldn't be surprised if it was one of those teams, one of those three teams that he signs with.
0: Yeah. All, all three of those teams are very good options. I haven't really been seeing anything else about any other teams being contending for JJ Watt. I'm sure any team who gets him will be getting an a huge impactful player, even though he may not be what he once was. I could try. I could. I could see Green Bay or Pittsburgh being the two teams that will contend for him. I don't really see Cleveland being a team, as much as uh, that, as good as that might be. I just don't see it.
1: Well, the thing with Cleveland and Pittsburgh is interesting. I'm mean, I'm sure they might it depends. I don't know how they feel about JJ Watt. I'm sure both of them, pretty sure every team feels high on JJ Watt because he's a great leader, he's a great guy, but he's also a force on the field. So, Pittsburgh and Cleveland they might try to, you know, they play against each other. So, does Cleveland want to play JJ Watt twice a year with TJ Watt or does Pittsburgh want to play JJ Watt twice a year with Miles Garrett? So, that's an interesting Um, I'm sure interesting perspective that both teams and both front offices are going to look at. It's not like J.J. Walsh is that one guy. I mean, you're going to be pairing him with two of the best pass rushers in the league, and they're super young. And either way, it's going to be scary whoever gets him.
0: Yeah, or he could go to Green Bay and face the Bears twice a year and knock up Mitch Trubisky, whoever ends up as their quarterback.
1: Well, it won't be Mitch, but... Quiver, the non-existent quarterback on the Bears is right now?
0: The vacant hole currently. Um, start to, we mentioned some quarterbacks earlier. Another crazy developing story, obviously, is Deshaun Watson, where he's going to end up, because he is very unhappy. Like we've said recently, he wants out of Houston, a team that kind of joined the mix and throwing all their cards out there, starting really high is the Carolina Panthers. They've offered three firsts and even willing to add in Christian McCaffrey. They're all pro running back for Deshaun Watson. So I'm going to ask you guys, what do you think of that? Is that way too much for one guy? Is it the right price? What is it? Help me break this down.
1: Listen, um, like I said, if you can get a franchise quarterback – Pretty much, you got to do what you got to do to get him. I know Chris McCaffrey is, again, one of the best running backs in the league. But like I was saying with Zeke and the Dak situation, you can replace running backs pretty easily. Especially this season, McCaffrey was banged up. So who knows if these injuries are going to be lingering injuries. Um, I know you could say Deshaun Watson towards ACL. I get it, but he seems knock on wood that he's healthy now and the numbers he puts up. I mean, if you can get your franchise quarterback, especially a guy who's that young. I mean, Deshaun Watson's like 25. It's not like he's like 28, 29, even 30. Like, he's 25. He's in his prime, but he's still only in his mid-20s. It's. I think you got to do what you got to do to get him. Um, you can easily nab a good running back in the middle rounds. Um, and they have, they have weapons, too, besides McCaffrey. They got DJ Moore, who's starting to really come onto the scene. You got Curtis Samuel, who...
0: Well, Curtis Samuels is a free agent.
1: He's a free agent, but if they can try to re-sign him, if not, they whatever. Robbie Anderson, Robbie Anderson, they just signed him. So, like, they have some weapons. Um, You know, the line isn't the best, but it's not awful. So, to me, I think if you can try to get a franchise quarterback, then kind of offer them what, you know, don't give up your whole entire future, but if you can, you know, I think that deal would probably be maybe two first round picks McCaffrey and like a third or second, maybe um, try to say that one of those first round picks. So who knows? But to me, I mean, it seems crazy, but in reality they can probably replace McCaffrey more easily than they can find a franchise quarterback or a top tiered quarterback.
0: See when I first saw that report I thought it was fake and ridiculous. I thought there was no way that a team would be willing to give up that much for one guy. But the more I thought about it, I agree with you more and more Steve. That yes, they're both all-pro talents, but if you break it down, all injuries aside, you want would you rather have an all-pro quarterback or an all-pro running back leading your offense? And you need an all-pro quarterback to get far, it seems like, in this league. The Bears didn't have an all-pro quarterback in Mitch Trubisky, and they struggled in the playoffs. But look at all of the final four teams in this year's playoffs. They were all Pro Bowl quarterbacks, past Super Bowl winners, whatever. You need an all-pro quarterback in this league to go far, and Deshaun Watson is that, and he really hasn't had much help since they traded away Deshaun. Uh, since they traded away D-Hop, my bad. Castle, what do you think about this?
2: Like you, Josh, when I first saw it, I kind of was taken back by it. Didn't know how true it was. But the more this story's developed, it's definitely been interesting. I don't think they should trade as much as they're saying. I think trading CMC from what you guys are saying, yeah, I think that could work. I don't know if they'll be able to, replace a running back obviously the same caliber as him but he can be replaced but I see some holes with this team on both sides of the ball I see a, a a very talented draft class coming up so three first rounders I don't know about that maybe a first rounder and a second rounder maybe two but I but I don't know I think they're putting too much into it I think Deshaun Watson could be one of their big pieces that they need to, to fix this team, I mean, the last time that they had a quarterback that was really their guy was Cam Newton, and he had some success there. I also do like uh, Matt Rule, their, their current head coach. I mean, great story from Baylor. It's just interesting because they have Teddy Bridgewater, and they have P.J. Walker the guy from the XFL, right? So it'd be very interesting to see what, what happens with those two. But overall, can they make it work? Yes. I don't want to see them give up three picks. I would hate to see them give, give up CMC, but if they have to, they have to. But if I'm Deshaun Watson, I don't know if Carolina's really the spot. I, I kind of like him with the Jets at this point. Maybe it's just because the market – the new coach, I think the Jets just to me seem like a better fit. And who knows, you know, rules only going to be going into his second season as an NFL head coach. Can him and Watson really come up and 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 blend well together? Can Watson work with the little pieces of offense that they have? Because, like you said, DJ Moore is great, but if they don't resign Curtis Samuel, who my opinion, had a great season. He can do a lot of different things as a wide receiver. If they don't re-sign Robbie Anderson, who's a deep threat, then, then where do you stand with him? So I think if, if I'm Carolina, I want to really think about what it means to bring in Deshaun Watson and what the supporting cast is going to look like. Because you can bring in a great guy like Watson, but if you don't have a supporting cast for him, then you're just paying all this guy money to throw the ball around to who.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, Deshaun, this year, with no weapons whatsoever, still managed to put up points. So I I think wherever he ends up, he will find success in some aspect. But, I mean, you mentioned the Jets being a perfect fit. I want to agree with that. I think him and Salah could work very well, but the Jets can't give up there. They need to build the team around him if if that's the direction they end up in because we have no running back. We ha- don't have that many receivers. That would be good options. Mims could be good, but he needs to develop. They might release Jameson Crowder for more cap space. So I don't really know if Watson is going to be a Jet next year. But I could see Carolina being a good fit. I agree with Steve, Robbie Anderson, Curtis Samuel if he stays. DJ Moore, DJ Moore was very underrated this year. He quietly put up a very spectacular season and worked very well with Teddy Bridgewater being quarterback. But one guy you haven't mentioned yet was McCaffrey's backup this year, which was Mike Davis, who had been a longtime veteran, but proved to be a decent running back in this league as a starter. And he put up some good numbers. Granted, it was fantasy points that he put up weekly, but he put up some solid points day in and day out, including a, couple, a few 100-yard uh, games, showed as a thread from both the run and the pass game as a good pass catcher, similar, similar to the way McCaffrey was used in that backfield. So if they happen to go through with this trade, they do have a good option, and Mike Davis is a running back. And if they bring in another running back, it could be a very good fit for them.
1: Oh, I, I love that point. Um, because Mike Davis really was solid during that time, and if you you said you can you can draft a running back in like the later rounds, and they can just come onto the scene and become a you know look at James Robinson for the Jaguars who's undrafted, and he was one of the leading rushers in the league this year. so you can find running backs easily, but you're really not going to find a franchise quarterback in the later rounds and like granted the Panthers do have a top pick. So you can, they can draft a guy like, you know, if fields falls, maybe fields, who knows Trey Lance. Um, obviously they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson, probably. Um, but again, then you're just, you know, running with a, a rookie quarterback. So then, you know, say if they sit a year, so now this is another year. So I don't know. I mean, that could work out, but again, you, you take gambles when you draft rookie quarterbacks. Every you know, a lot of times the top guy should work out, and mo- more times than not they do. But then you do get, you know, I mean, like we were just saying, the 2015 and 2016 drafts, the number one and two picks were quarterbacks, are all on new teams this year, and Winston and Mariota, 2015s. They didn't even start this year and then this and then 2016 Goff pretty much started the entire year until he got hurt and then he was then traded and then Wentz now like we just said earlier has been traded so even that like so if you can get a guy like Watson i'd say you know go for it because either way at least you have the quarterback which is everyone can probably agree the most important position on the field the hardest to find and replace, you can get that. And then you can replace guys. And even if it takes a little time, you should be able to replace them easily or more easier than replacing or finding a franchise quarterback.
0: Yeah. I mean, me and you are on the same boat with this Stevie. It seems like, and we'll see how it plays out. I doubt any big news will be happening in the coming weeks. I think this is something that'll evolve over time maybe closer to when the draft happens, because that's when teams will be more willing to trade their draft picks when they get more information about the players at pro days and stuff. So I think this is going to be a developing story for a few more weeks, and we'll keep covering it. And now we're going to shift our way to the hoops. There's a lot of interesting things that went on with Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, for example, those two players have been, as you could say, benched for the time being because their teams don't want them to risk being injured because they're on the trade block. And a lot of players have been vocal about it, including Draymond Green, Warriors forward, who said that it's kind of a double standard for the league to when players get fined for wanting to be traded, vocalizing their frustrations about teams, but teams can vocalize their saying that they're not playing players and no repercussions come with it. So it's kind of a confusing issue that's been going on in the league. And I just want to hear your guys' thoughts about all of this. And I know it's a lot to unpack, but We'll try to tackle it. So, Steve, I'll let you go first.
1: Listen, do I like Draymond Green as a player? Or is he my favorite player? No. But I respect what he said. And I agree with what he said. Um, you know, he he definitely made some strong points and some good points. And they're all valid points. It's not fair to the players if they don't like the situation that they're in. And I get it. You know, people can argue they get paid all this money to play basketball, you know, this is their job like, yes. But if you're unhappy with your job, a lot of times or not, you try to find a way to get out of there. You don't want to be stuck there. So that's how, if these players feel and they want out, then they have the right to want out. Um, But then, you know, for them to get criticized, um, he wants out, he, you know, he doesn't he can't, you know, withstand this or they're not like strong enough to be able to help this team turn it around or whatever the reason is. But then a team can say, all right, you're not playing because we're going to trade you. Um, I think it, I think it is a double standard. And I think that, you know, if a player wants to hold out or a player wants out and then they can, or teams are like, nope, sorry. But then a team could be like, just turn around to either another person and be like." We don't care if you want to play or not. We want to make sure you're healthy and something like that and we're gonna trade you so you you can't play tonight. You have to just come in a suit and watch from the sidelines. Or, you know, so it is like you said, a very you know, it is a bit confusing, but it's an it's definitely a um I forget the term for it, but like it's a tough, tough like situation to kinda figure out and I'm sure it's going to open a lot of eyes for front office um, personnel and even maybe Adam Silver, the commissioner, because, listen, you know, you could say, oh, well, they're just the players, but the players play a huge part in the league. I mean, without the players, there's no league. You can have all these front office guys and stuff like that, but if you don't have players to make up the actual team, then, then the league is almost pointless. So you have to respect what the players are saying, you know, they should be able to voice their opinions in the coaches, front office and even the higher ups like Commissioner Adam Silver have to respect their opinions, which I say for the most part Adam Silver does. But especially in this um situation, he really has to listen and, you know, not that he can maybe make some change, but he has to realize what Jeremiah Green is actually trying to say.
0: Yeah. I agree with everything you said. I think what Draymond said is very important for everyone who listened to it because it's true. There's a double standard and the players might are, who are unhappy are going to vocalize their frustrations. And what's different about them saying that they don't want to be there as opposed to the front office guys saying, we don't want this player. One gets fined and the other doesn't is not right um so there's got to be something that uh changes with that castle do you you have anything on this that you want to add in
2: yeah i think it ultimately just it villainizes the players it makes it seem like they're this major problem in the locker room when in reality they just want to do what's best for their career and I have to admit, after this situation, it definitely gave me a different perspective about the whole James Harden situation when he wanted out of Houston. You know, do I think he handled the situation perfect on his end? Of course not. No one's going to do anything perfect. But I do think that the guy wanted out. And I think that the team and the media made him seem like this, you know, huge problem in the locker room and that he was it was a problem that they were getting rid of. And and now look at Harden. He, he's he's killing it for Brooklyn. And when, and when you look at this specific situation with guys like Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, I personally find it disrespectful. These are guys that have been around the league for years now. I mean, you look at Andre Drummond. He's one of my favorite players in the league. He's been killing it this season. And for you to sit him because you're going to trade him, this is the guy's job. This is his livelihood. And if you know that, he's a guy that puts up numbers for your team, but he's not someone that you want part of your future. Just let the guy play. This is like, you're paying him to, to play. And, and, and now what, you're going to pay for him to sit on the bench wearing street clothes? That, that's not how it should work. I think, I think that there needs to be some sort of change that players should be able to vocalize their opinions without being villainized. And I don't know how this can really be changed, but I don't know if teams should really, unless it's something really bad. Like if Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin were causing issues in the locker room for real, if they were giving management a hard time, okay. But if you're benching them because you plan on trading them, just let them play it out. I I guess because of the injury risk, that could be something, but I think that they should be able to play until they're traded. And I think, you know, Draymond Green, not one of my favorite players on and off the court, but at this press conference. And this could be this could be a big breakthrough for the league.
1: And um to kind of piggyback off what Castle said and Castle, by the way, great points. I that, you know, if the players wanna say hold out because they don't like their situation. You know, they get fined, and or like Castle, you're saying they get villainized, which I thought that was a great term to use, and it is that is completely true. Um, you know, so the players, if they like pretty much have to pay consequences for not wanting to be there and see if they hold out or whatever, but then a team, you know, front office, they face no consequences for holding someone out, not against their will, but like, you know, Andre Drummond, I'm sure would play if he had to. He's not, it's not like he was saying, you know, like I'm saying, like that's what we're talking about now. Like he doesn't care. He would, he will go out there and play. If you trade him, then whatever you trade him, it's not the first time he'll be traded because obviously he was traded from Detroit to Cleveland, but he just wants to play right now. He's having a great season, like Castle said. And so how come the front office then, you know, then they should get penalized or they should get fined or, you know, stripped of draft picks or something like that. They're going to hold players out because they just don't want them to get hurt. Like that makes no sense. So player, if they don't like the situation they're in anymore, if they feel that like it's not heading in the right direction, it's only hurting their career that, you know, they can't do their job at the best level that. Cause we want these guys to be playing at their best pretty much all the time. So if they know that they can not play at the best wherever they are and they want out, then they shouldn't be penalized or, you know, Made into seem like they're some bad person or whatever. And then the front office can pretty much get away with it, which seems to always happen. So I think Draymond Green really did open up um, a new perspective for a lot of people. And it's crazy because you know, a lot of people don't necessarily maybe like Draymond Green because of some of his high court actions. You know, he gets a lot of technicals and sometimes he might. Play a little dirty, but sometimes you need a guy like Draymond to really stay because, to be frank, he's got the balls to say he doesn't care, and you know, and he brought up like we've been saying a great point and a point that probably should have been brought up a long you know maybe not super long time ago but um maybe should have been brought up as recent as it just has so uh, you know applause to uh. Draymond for making, you know, bringing this point up.
0: Yeah. Drummond was averaging 17 and a half points and 14 rebounds before he was, he was benched. And it's crazy. The trade deadline's not until March 20th. So if, I, if I'm correct, today is February 18th. There's a whole month before the trade deadline. So if there's no move that is made, which teams are going to wait until his value lowers and lowers until the right, re- they're ready to trade the right pieces for him. Then he's going to be missing an entire month of action because the Cavs don't plan on playing him anytime soon. They have Jared Allen. They have JaVale McGee. They're in no rush. So it looks bad on their end, I, I believe, and the teams who are benching their stars because they don't want to risk injury. But I, we're all obviously in agreement, which is always a good thing. And before we wrap up this show, I mentioned at the top that uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. star star uh, stud shortstop for the San Diego Padres, signed a 14-year, I think 340-mil deal, and a lot of people were caught by surprise by this. He had a great year, MVP, basically numbers, and it was like his first full year, I believe, with the team, and it was it was the shortened season obviously. And I personally was caught by surprise. So I wonder what you guys were thinking. Was it the right move? Did they overpay? Was it too soon? Alex, I'll let you go first.
2: I think part of this gets attributed to the Bryce Harper deal. In my opinion, I think once that happened, you saw that teams kind of were like, okay, big time players equal big time money which Bryce Harper, not too sure about that. We could get into that another time. Mike Trout, I agree with that deal. Arguably, if not the best player in baseball, one of the best. But when it comes to this Tatis deal, I think, I think it's too much. Listen, like you said, Josh, he had a great season, shortened season, still put up great numbers. I know he won some award. I was I don't know if it was Golden Glove or Slugger Award. I don't know which one it was, but I know he did win something this season. Listen, he's a young talent. Resigning him was great, but I think this deal was too much. 14 years, there's a lot that could happen in 14 years. He could he could get a major injury that could set him back. Other players on the team could get hurt, and they need to fill those spots. Also, that's a huge chunk of money to give up when, when you got guys like Manny Machado who you're going to be paying a lot, and they also just improved the bullpen, and that's going to cost them a lot of money. So this move to me showed me that the Padres see themselves in a position where they can win for a long time and Tatis is going to be the guy that they're going to build around. I just think it was too much money. I think that they needed to wait at least another season or two for consistency and then that's when you seal the deal. So now San Diego said, you know what, we're going all in, all cards on the table, and, and this could be one of the biggest gambles in baseball that, that you'll see going into the season.
0: I agree. I think another part of it that you left out, because I agree with all the points you just made, I think they should have waited. But I think in part of it was in fear of the Dodgers, who are obviously one of their big rivals. They play them a lot. And I think seeing the Dodgers, who just won the World Series, they add in other pieces to stack up their team. Obviously, bringing in Trevor Bauer is a huge move for them. So I think they wanted to capitalize and make sure they have their young guys their core pieces locked up for as long as possible. They obviously have Machado for a long time. Now they have Tatis for a long time. They also have Eric Hosmer for a for a massive deal. They Signed Blake Snell as well. Uh, as that's
2: who they added to the bullpen with Snell, right? Okay. It yeah. was yeah, Blake Snell, you
0: Darvish. I mean, you
2: Darvish. I mean, Darvish, not as much, but Blake Snell. That that's got to be a big contract, right there.
0: Yeah, both are definitely not cheap deals. Both are going to be big pieces for them, obviously. But I think the point, though, they didn't want to deal with arbitration or the fear of this young guy leaving the team kind of similar to, like, I guess, Francisco Lindor did with the Indians to the Mets. So I don't know. I think a a part of it was in fear of losing him if they didn't sign this deal now. But I think it was too soon. Steve, what do you think?
1: To be honest, I'm going to play... uh... I'm going to hop on the other side because I actually do think it was a good deal. Yes, do you think maybe they jumped the gun too soon? You could argue that, which you guys have done. But listen, you know, what if this dude just goes absolutely off next year or the next year after that, and then he, then he's seeking an even bigger contract? Because if you do the, the total over the time, he's making $24 million per year, which, to be honest, yes, it's a lot, but it's kind of average with some of the other stars. Rice Harper is making 26 million per year. Um, Gary Cole is making 36 million per year. Granted, he's a pitcher, but still, um, you know, Machado, his teammate, is making 30 million per year. So they kind of got him at a good price. Yes, it's over a long period of time, but you pretty much have him locked up now for more than likely the rest of his career, or at least throughout his prime. At 24 million per year, that's not too bad. Um, you know, so say if they waited. And they did arbitration, or they did whatever, and he was just, you know, putting up MVP type numbers, Mike Trout type numbers. You know, he would want maybe $30 million, 35, 40 million You know, and now that's that's a lot more money. So you get him at this, I won't say discount, but you get him at a pretty reasonable reasonable price, and you have him locked up, so he's not going anywhere unless if you trade him. So I don't know if there's any opt outs either. But, um, you know, it did catch me by surprise. I didn't really know they were, you know, working in the form of extensions. Um, but you know what? They got it done. You know, he's, done, he's a cover of MOB 21 in the show. So he's got a lot going for him. I mean, you know, congrats to him. And listen, he's a, he's a top player in this league. He's got a lot of swag. He's good. And Castle, like you were kind of saying, like they believe they can win. They, they went through many seasons of losing and they finally have a lot of stars now, Then they acquired Clevenger last year at the trade deadline. They got Snell this year and Darvish this year in the offseason. They're making a lot of moves because they think that they can win. Um, you know, Last season, last year was just a taste, and now they want, they want to be in it, and they don't want to be seen as some, a joke or as a, uh, a loser in the league.
0: I totally get where you're coming from, and I don't doubt that he is a top player in this league currently. My only concern right now is he has not played a full MLB calendar year, 162 game season with this team. Last year was I was his first year with the team and there was only 62 games I believe, right?
1: It was like um it was like 60 regular games and then in the, the postseason.
0: Season. Okay. So he got to taste some postseason, yes.
1: But he did play um like the year before he didn't play the full season, but he did play a lot of games that season too. So he's been, if you combine those two, he's played a full MLB season, but just not in one continuous season, you know, if that makes sense. He has
0: not played a a full calendar year from April to September though, which I think that that's a little concerning because we don't know what his, his stamina might be for that long, et cetera. But I think it was too soon, but you brought up a good point. Like he could have another, he could have a stellar career. Which I could see happening, and it could be at a discounted price that they signed him for. But I think it was a little premature. They could have done this deal mid season or whatever. I think before the season started, not having him play that full calendar year from start to finish one year was a little premature.
1: Yeah. No, I, I get that. But even like if you said, you know, midway through, the, like, it now takes away a distraction. Not that his contract status was a distraction because really no one was talking about him with his contract, but it's all settled. It's all figured out. He's going to get his money. The Padres get to keep, you know, their guy, their star and you know, both sides should be happy. And now the focus is not money, not if you know, the future it's the, well, the focus is a future, but the focus of the future is winning. You know, now both sides can both, just focus on one thing and that's to win a world series for them.
0: So now what happens if he doesn't put up the similar numbers as to last year, he, he is batting 270, doesn't hit 30 homers. Now it, they they're stuck with him for 14 years. They're going to immediately criticize the Padres for making this deal too soon. And they're going to say it was a huge mistake.
1: But you could, you could see that with anyone.
0: Oh, I'm I mean. not I'm just using him as an example because I believe it's a premature move.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, listen, it, it, it is a big risk. I mean, look at Albert Pujols. The Angels signed him to that massive contract, and it worked out for a few years, but they never really made the playoffs or made it far in the playoffs. And then once he got older, he just, obviously his performance went downhill. Um, so you do take a risk by signing these guys to a massive contract. Even Bryce Harper, I don't think he's played up to the, his contract. Um, so it is that risk. Or even Mike Trout, he he's Mike Trout, but he's been hurt now some of these years of his contract. So it it is a risk, but it's one you have to take because a guy like his caliber, you want him on your team. So it is a risk, but I think it's a risk worth taking, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's not much else that'll get will get out of it because We still have a while before the regular season starts. We are back in baseball season now, though, with uh, pitchers and catchers reporting. Uh, Players will return very shortly. So we're excited for that to be happening and the regular season to be basically a month away now, which is very exciting. So we can't wait for our Yankees to take the field again in the Bronx. Fans in, in attendance like the way it should be. So that'll wrap up this week's uh, 3P podcast episode. Shout out to Matthew Angler, our social media guy, doing a great job posting content daily. Uh, If you haven't already, give us a follow and check out some of his work. And thank you all for sticking, uh, sticking tuned to this week's episode.